0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us.
1: We started encountering this adversary in spring of 2016.
0: That's John Hulquist. He's the director of intelligence analysis at FireEye. Today, he's going to be telling us about APT-33.
1: Since then, we've been involved in about six different incident responses where we have found the adversary in organizations, mostly in the Middle East, but also U.S. and South Korean organizations. So give us an overview. What are we dealing with here? APD 33 is one of multiple intrusion groups or uh, actors that appear to be operating on behalf of the Iranian government. This group uh, specifically, we were able to uh, sort of draw a line around their activity to get a good idea of who they are and what tools they use and their connection to the Iranian government. but. This is a group that appears to be mainly focused on cyber espionage, sort of the classic mission of gathering intelligence for, in this case, possibly defensive advantage. If you look at the targets in the the report, you'll notice a lot of them uh, work in in the defense industry, a lot of aerospace. Uh, That's a sector that every actor that we encounter uh, hits the defense industrial base, and this group particularly is interested there.
0: So give us an idea, um, any sense for why they're targeting aerospace in particular.
1: So we've seen all these aviation and aerospace assets. Uh, some of them are focused in the region. They, they're organizations that work in the region. Uh, we believe that they are seeking uh, you know, defensive advantage, under, trying to understand the posture, for instance, of their neighbors and regional adversaries. But we also think that a lot of defense industrial targeting is driven by the need to create a indigenous industry, defense industry, and and sort of leapfrog ahead by stealing uh, the intellectual property of adversaries like the U.S. And so how do they go about doing it? In this case, this group has been using spearfishing lures sent that appear to be information about job opportunities. They've done that to target both the defense industrial base as well as people in the petrochemical industry fairly decent looking they involve they include uh information about the specifics of the job and and uh even those equal opportunity statements at the bottom malicious piece of that is that they are sending these links to an hta file which will prompt the user to run and then if the user chooses yes can actually uh launch code what is an hta file sort of a HTML executable. So, from a technical point
0: of view, with this spear phishing, it, are they? Is it, is it technically sophisticated, or is it a run of the mill campaign?
1: It's uh, interesting. They've made a couple of mistakes. They actually appear to be using a tool that you can get in the Iranian underground. You can you can Google it and find it pretty easily all over the place. It's called uh, Alpha Team Shell, and the tool is, is readily available, and it's sort of a plug-and-play. You plug in whatever you want to send in your Spearfish, and it does a lot of the work for you. And we know that they're using that tool because they've made mistakes, and rather than plugging their own information, then they actually sent the default information over.
0: So they're using domain masquerading. Can you take us through that technique?
1: So uh, oftentimes one of the clues that we we get to identify potential targets or areas of interest are domain uh, masquerading, Uh, sometimes those domains are used as part of like a malicious link. Sometimes they're used as command and control. Typically, these will be domains that appear to be legitimate organizations that are the focus of targeting or the activity. In this case, we saw a lot of domain masquerading. Uh, surrounding defense companies in in the Middle East and U.S. defense companies.
0: So these will be domains that look similar enough to the companies that they're trying to masquerade as that perhaps at first glance people wouldn't notice that there's something unusual about them.
1: Exactly. If If you've sent, for instance, a malicious link with some of these domains, I think the average user may not notice at all.
0: Now, you all have also identified a specific persona that you uh, say is probably linked to the Iranian government.
1: That's right. So the X-Man persona, we can link to the Nasser Institute. And the Nasser Institute is an organization which has come up time and time again with probable connections to the Iranian government. And that's not the only clue that we have that this is uh, Iranian or linked to the Iranian government. X-Man shows up other places, particularly a lot of Iranian hacking forums, suggesting that this is Iranian. The targeting is focused on the regional uh, defense industrial base and as well as regional petrochemicals. Uh, We were able to actually even look at our timing artifacts or date and time artifacts throughout the code and stack those on top of each other. And we noticed when the actor was working and when they weren't working. And if you look at when they were working during the day, it appears that they're working a nine to five in Tehran time. But they're also uh, taking off days that are consistent with the uh, Iranian weekend, which is actually kind of specific time timeframe. Um, they take Thursdays off, for instance, when a lot of countries don't do that.
0: Yeah, so you have uh, quite a lot of, uh, of, of information that ties this to Iran.
1: We do. When we're dealing with intelligence work and when we're dealing with an adversary that is probably associated with security services or intelligence organizations, it's never going to be perfect. But uh, in this case, there is a lot of different pieces of evidence which suggest that this is an Iranian actor, specifically a government actor.
0: One of the points that uh, is made in the report that you've published about uh, this is that there are some ties uh, with uh, capabilities and comparisons with Shamoon. Um, can you start off just by describing for our
1: listeners what Shamoon is and then
0: how this compares to it?
1: Great question. So uh, we took a look at uh, at Shamoon and and this and a destructive component that we found connected to this activity. Uh, we're actually not the only one, Kaspersky did a similar look earlier. Shamoon is the tool that's been used again and again in uh, destructive incidents Uh, in region. It's the preferred cyber destructive tool of the the Iranian government. When we found this destructive component associated with APT 33, you know, we were wanting to know if if there was any connection between the two. Uh, We could not find a connection. This appears to be independent capability. The destructive component does suggest that these actors could be used to carry out disruptive or destructive missions at some point in the future. That sort of trajectory is consistent with a lot of actors who have sort of t- been taken off more classic cyber espionage mission and put into a uh, into a mission that's uh, disruptive and destructive. A good example of that would be a group that we call Sandworm, that one's the same uh, organization or, or intrusion group that turned out the lights in Ukraine. Uh, when we first found Sandworm, Um, They weren't turning out the lights somewhere. They were actually quietly carrying out cyber espionage against the Ukrainian government and NATO. And we see that sort of thing all over the place. Uh, The North Korean hackers who have done destructive activity in the past are typically, when we see them, they are carrying out espionage. When we see the APT-28, the actor who was involved in uh, the DNC incidents, Still to this day, the majority of their operations are classic espionage against diplomatic institutions and, and, uh, and governments.
0: So to be clear, so far, APT-33 has really only been uh, involved with espionage. You haven't seen any cases of destructive sorts of things, yes?
1: That's true. But we did find the destructive tool that uh, appears to be connected to APT-33, which raises that question would they be used in a scenario where the Iranian government chose to become more oppressive? They do regularly use Shamoon, but that's only one, I think, one component or one tool that they have at their disposal. And we're also, you know, very concerned about that prospect given shifting geopolitics, particularly between the West and and Iran. Prior to the negotiations and the agreement, uh, Iran had been quite aggressive uh, with the West using this capability as sort of an asymmetric tool. They carried out DDoS attacks. They carried out destruction in the US as well as in their sort of near abroad. But uh, since those negotiations and that agreement, we've seen very little of that. Instead, we've seen a lot of that destructive and disruptive capability used in the Middle East, uh, particularly in Saudi Arabia and other Gulf countries.
0: Can you give us a sense for how widespread this is? Are, are the attacks so so targeted, or are they casting a wide net?
1: Uh, they, they appear to be fairly targeted. They seem to be interested in a limited set of organizations and, and sectors. We're not seeing evidence that they are. Even yet, really focused outside of the, of the Middle East, um, the organizations that are getting caught up in their activity appear to be right now, appear to be organizations that also do work in the Middle East or have some interests there. Almost every country on Earth or many, many countries have oil and gas interests in the Gulf. And because they do business there, they are falling into this net. Uh, That's how we ended up with situations where South Korea was also affected. Uh, defense, it's not that dissimilar either. Defense companies throughout the world do business in the region. They provide arms and, and capability to Saudi Arabia and other nations. You know, Iran has, a, has an interest in surveilling those, those capabilities, building up their own indigenous capabilities. And so what are your recommendations
0: for organizations to protect themselves against this?
1: I think that there are two things. One, this is the opportunity. So we're seeing these actors, or we've identified these actors, we've identified their TTPs. Uh, now they are focused regionally, but this this is something that we've seen again and again. These regionally focused actors become global problems. If you are already doing business in the Middle East, you should be taking a really hard look at the, the actor, particularly their TPPs, looking at your organization and seeing if you're pre- prepared for things like this alpha team show, which you could conceivably get on get your hands on and try out yourself. If you are not doing business in the Middle East, you, maybe you're not in the defense organization or you're not a petrochemical organization you probably should start thinking about if things change or if the circumstances change would you be you know at risk to a disruptive or destructive attack oftentimes a lot of the espionage activity falls into the public sector sphere or defense industrial base which is sort of quasi public sector uh, when we talk, start talking about destructive and disruptive attack, a lot of the targets are private industry. So uh, this is an opportunity to start more gaming that, that possibility and thinking about preparations and asking your organization if they're prepared for something like that.
0: Our thanks to John Hulquist from FireEye for joining us. You can find the complete report on APT33 on FireEye's website.